Hey there, everybody. My name is John Mariano, and I'm from the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. I am here to let you know that we have a plethora of shows on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed, and whatever you do, do not tune in. You don't want to hear from Corey Morissette, Jeff Hillbilly, Scripps Saunders, Mark Aiden Collier, Thomas Rustling, or myself. All of our shows are hot garbage. They are structured stupidity, and they are not worth your listen. So whatever you do, do not tune in to the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. We do not want any new fans at all. Back to you. Well, hello there. This is Lauren Romo, one of the co-hosts of the Gal Like the Podcast. We are two gals that just talk anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. Come join us for the Star Wars discussions. Stay for that silliness. You can find us on Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at the Galactic Pod. And as always, may that force be with you. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, and on a very private, unlisted YouTube link... This is TNF In Session, episode 16. I'm Ken Knapsack, and this is a show that I record with my Patreon audience. Their support is rewarded by this exclusive private session that I then share with the world. It's not very private, is it? We got a lot of people live in chat. Some of you might be listening a little bit later as an audio podcast. And uh, we've got people like Django's Got a Mango. Alice, Pete Rich, we call him Peach, Trey, Will McClain, Ranger Donald. We got a lot of people. Star Wars Alice, Zach Anderson, we call him the Brewer fan. Oh, am I missing anyone else? Oh, my pal Chris Kiefer's in here as well. He is the best librarian in the L.A. area. Hillbilly Scribs is even here. All right. We got some friends checking into this episode here. So with that said, you will all get to see my face if you're watching a little bit later on YouTube or you're watching live now. A lot of fun doing this show. I get to take your questions and then we get to go to the live audience for some follow-up questions. Uh, And uh, we'll uh, have a lot of fun doing it, I hope. I hope. My face is available now. <laughs> My face is available for subscriptions on YouTube now. Hey, everybody. Let's take some housekeeping and put it on the table and get it out of the way. But I don't mean that in a hug sigh out of the way. We got a lot of fun coming up on October 10th. Mark Riley is presenting Riley's Cantina Live with the fine folks at Sean Healy Presents. You can follow them on Twitter at WeBookBands. They've been putting on a, a lot of the Mark Ellis comedy shows over the last couple of years. Now they're working with Mark Riley, and then uh, Mark Riley brought me in to help put on this wonderful Star Wars comedy variety show on October 10th, live at 7 p.m. Pacific from El Cid on the Sunset Strip. Now there's no audience there. You're going to be the audience at home. You can get tickets at kednapsock.com. Click on the events tab. That'll take you to a ticket web link, or you can just go to ticketweb.com or go to Sean Healy Presents and find it out there. So 
Um, that's what's going on. Special guests on the way. We, I guess I could announce them. I guess, yeah, we'll put, here's Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, Nathan Hamill, the Wangers, and more. Big one we're going to, I think, announce um, live on stage. Someone will be there with us, so we'll announce that soon. And we're waiting on another confirmation. I can't, I can't announce it now. Can't announce it now. All right, so let's get started. A lot of people, so and everyone listening is not necessarily a baseball fan. If you are, go subscribe to Box Score Heroes, my baseball podcast feed, that uh, one day will be more robust than it is now. I have a lot of shows planned. We got time for one a week right now, but it's the baseball playoffs. Playoffs. And uh, I, I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm excited about uh, it being a Yankee fan during the postseason. That's always when we are when we're good. And uh, I got to tell you, we got uh, Pete Rich and Chad. He's he's from uh, the Cleveland area. He's not happy with me right now. We got Zach Anderson. I'm wearing my alternate um, black themed Dodgers uh, cap, which is the 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 black logo with the white outline on a black hat. I'm not even really a Dodger fan. I just wear it to drive Zach crazy. He's a Brewer fan. Not going good for him. Uh, so, uh, look at that. And I, I predicted earlier, the Marlins are going to be a Cinderella team, maybe going farther than people think. And uh, they got a big victory over the Cubs today. We'll talk about that all on, uh, box score heroes, but just want to bring that up. But we uh, sometimes have a wide variety of, of discussions and conversations here on TNF in session, because that's, that's the fun of the show. That's what I like doing. You you all get to go post questions, uh, and I uh, answer them, and, and uh, this forces me to go go into to discussion topics that I don't always go into. So yeah, Pete Rich is uh, unhappy in chat. A lot of angry emojis. I've heard emojis, uh, you know, that you can't post them if you're a man. That's just bull roar. Lauren Romo's here, Tiger fan. Uh, we also got Kyle Harlow, Cubs fan. Cubs lose, Cubs lose. He's excited, too. First question today out of the block, uh, going to my Patreon page. And you can support if you want to be part of the show in future editions. You can go to KenNapsock.com and link to the Patreon page or just go to Patreon.com slash KenNapsock. First one out of the gate today is Andy Ortiz. Andy's out there in Texas. He's always got some good questions, usually about baseball, but we handle those over on Box Score Heroes for the most part now. He writes, hello, Ken. What is your favorite wrestling storyline? As a kid, mine was the WCW and ECW versus WWF invasion storyline. I believe WWF would go out of business if they lost. And that one didn't, uh, a lot of wrestling fans don't enjoy that one. They, it, it was not what the, you know, it, it could have been. But uh, again, that's perspective. Andy's probably a little younger than those fans at the time and got to just be pulled in by the story. It depends. Wrestling storylines, uh, you know, when they work, they work. I like the ones that blend a little reality. I still think one of my all-time favorites is the CM Punk pipe bomb storyline, him versus Cena, him versus McMahon and the WWE and everything that meant about that time. I still think that's one of my favorite matches, uh, that match versus Cena in Chicago. Uh, That's one of my favorite reactions. I am a big um, Cena fan. I think he just brings game and uh, brings top, uh, top skills to every Every match and helps put on big storylines, and a lot of people don't like him. And I get it. I get. I get the five moves of doom and all those kind of critiques of, of Cena. But he's big time, and it it shows in those kind of matches. And he knows how to tell the story, and he knows how to do what's right for the business. And I think that one stands up. But but you know, and Andy's in chat saying I was ten at the time. There you go. There you go. 
Uh, you're, you're not uh, saddled with the realities of the business. And now it's impossible. Wrestling is just exposed on a lot of levels. A lot, a lot of it thanks to social media. It's hard to have an, an on-camera angle and then have uh, two wrestlers who are married uh, or are getting engaged. That was one that got blown up when uh, Lana, CJ Perry, and, and um, Miro Rusev, uh, you know, announced their engagement online, but they were in the middle of a storyline where she was not with them. It was just, you know, that's just the the wrestling game's been changed forever. Eh, good, good, good on some levels, bad on some levels. I think, um, I think I really loved a lot of uh, Stone Cold versus McMahon in the early days, though I did not watch a ton of the Attitude Era after that. I was uh, really there for that. It, that's why it worked. It was the common man versus his boss, that kind of stuff. A lot of stuff in the in the, in the, the competition, one-on-one, let me prove myself type of stuff with Bret Hart and Roddy Piper, uh, Bret Hart and David Boy Smith. They always would take the, go into the Hart family stuff, and that was okay for me. Um, but I, I like some of that stuff. Uh, but as a kid, you know, again, going to Andy Ortiz's question here, he, he likes the invasion angle, and he's a bit younger. So when I was younger, wrestling, you know, Hogan getting hurt. Tugboat saving him, letter campaign, like that stuff works. Uh, but I still, even then, would gravitate towards more just the competition, the one-on-one, can we prove ourselves? And and I was in, very much in on the um, Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior stuff. As I was a little later, later on with like Hogan versus Rock, and that was more retroactive, I went back and kind of enjoyed that more than I did at the time. So those are the kind of storylines. Invasion angles, and, you know, I liked uh, when... Um, when NXT was formed and you had Wade Barrett and everybody kind of coming in there and uh, uh, tearing the ring apart, blending, uh, you know, fiction and, and, and nonfiction wrestling. Like, I do like that kind of stuff. I don't I don't fall for all the work shoots, but I do like that. So uh, that is that. So uh, there we go. Uh, Andy, great question. Always like talking about wrestling. And this month, if you are a Patreon supporter on my monthly show, which is available to all tiers. I told the story of how I uh, was uh, nearly had my head taken off in a match by an NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, and recently also told the story of working uh, with Rowdy Roddy Piper in the wrestling ring. So that's uh, going on over on the Patreon page. So there you go. Um, following up there uh, in, uh, yeah, Big Match John, says Rancher Donald. I agree with that. Next question up here. Trey. We call him definitely not Trey. I, you know, it still confuses me, but I like it. Uh, Trey writes, Ken, can we get a, get serious? Hey, uh-oh, uh-oh, we're going to get serious. And talk about your love of Robotech. Ooh, Robotech. Were you like me? I ran home from school to watch Robotech as a kid. I saved up about every one of Jack McKinney's Del Rey books. He's putting um, quotes around uh, Jack McKinney because it was James Lucino. And, oh, my God, who's the other? Uh, uh, Brian something, right? James Lucino went on to write some great Star Wars books, including the Plagueis non-canon one and the Tarkin one. was one half of the Jack McKinney writing team. Uh, and uh, he, I went to Suncoast Video at the mall monthly to buy all 12 of the Macross Sega VHS tapes. One at a time is my savings allowed. Is it wrong that I want a Why We Love Robotech book from you? Thanks. No, no, it's not wrong to want any uh, publication from me. Um, so for those who are not familiar, uh, I, I did talk about this on Joseph Scrimshaw's Obsessed podcast a couple years ago. Robotech was a American cartoon animated program put on by uh, Harmony Gold, Carl Masick, and uh, came out, what, 85? But it was an adaptation of three separate uh, Japanese uh, anime programs. Um, and I think, 
expertly weave together. And so I was never, I just didn't, I wasn't exposed to the original versions, uh, the original Macross stuff. And, and there could be some purists and all that kind of stuff. And I totally get it. And I totally get it. It might seem weird that Masick, this uh, American producer, comes in and grabs these, you know, Japanese-produced, Japanese-based stories and turns them into something else. And then the American audience goes, yay, I, I can understand some conversations around that. But I didn't care in 1985. I was nine. I was ten. I was that range. And this is coming out of Star Wars. This is coming out of uh, me having my life changed by falling in love with Star Wars. And... Robotech, man, just continued that. And it's such a wonderful world. It's got its own lore. It had comics that came out at the same time. What was that? Image comics uh, that put them out. Uh, and I and I like what was going on uh, in the comics. I collected them. I still kind of have them. And then um, the series would go on, Robotech 2, the Sentinels, all that kind of stuff. But that for that, um, for that time period, for that time period, 85, 86 range when Robotech was out, you have to understand, for me, a Star Wars fan who loved Star Wars and was had the Kenner figures and all stuff, Robotech, for that year and a couple years after, was bigger to me than Star Wars. I was more about Robotech. And I'm with Trey. I would race home from school to catch it uh, 3 o'clock, uh, I think, uh, where it played my time in syndication. You had uh, Robotech, the Macross saga, Ro- Robotech uh, Masters, and Robotech uh, Next Generation. Scott Bernard and Rook Bartley and all that team. They fought the Invid in that one. The Zentradi were kind of the enemies until some some things happened in the first one. And then uh, the Robotech Masters show up. Zor, the, the um, um, Zor Prime, the clone of Zor, all the stuff. Robotechnology, protoculture, all that kind of stuff. Great big lore. Great big lore. Yeah, Trey and Chad saying it was serialized. No cartoons were serialized back then. Yeah, and that's what pulled me in. I love my G.I. Joe. I love my Transformers. I love He-Man early on. And during that time, I was watching that too. But there's just some, you know, I love the G.I. Joe miniseries when they'd have, you know, five episodes in a week to launch a season or whatever and they're connected. But Robotech was connected. You had to, you had to catch every episode. And you miss one sometimes. And, you know, this is, I wasn't setting my VCR even back then when I come home from school. If I missed one for whatever reason, you were down on your luck. And same with the comics. You know, you try to make up some of the uh, difference uh, with the comics. Um, you know, it just... And I talk, I go find that obsessed episode on Joseph's uh, uh, podcast feed. It just, you had characters dying. You had big themes. You had love, unrequited love. You had an interracial couple, which, you know, Claudia Grant and Roy Folker, which just did not seem abnormal to me. It just was like, cool, those two characters. Um, and, and it was kind of ahead of its time in that. Realm, and again, this is Harmony Gold adapting this series to some of the elements were already there. Totally get it. Um, it dealt with war. It dealt with fighting. Uh, it dealt, dealt with action that I loved as a kid, but it dealt with the consequences of it too. And so, you know, I'm 10 and this is in my brain and I just think it got me, it pulled me into bigger, not just lore, not just the action, but in, into the themes. And that set me up for really growing as a Star Wars fan later on. Because uh, at the time, this is 85, I'm just like, give Luke a lightsaber and he'll kill everybody. That's what Star Wars is about, right? I'm not understanding some of the bigger themes. But Robotech, as I got a little older, started to open up my mind to that kind of stuff. And it was big and it was popular. The toys, Matchbox put out a bunch of toys, but they didn't they didn't go way of Star Wars. And and, and Robotech was a connective thread between me and my friends. Uh, it, and it, it, it's if you watch it now, if you haven't seen it before, I think you can get pulled in. But it's kind of... 
it's it's silly. It's it's wonky. It's crazy. It's got some anime kind of uh, tropes and animations and funny unintentional comedy moments. Uh, and, and there's a great comic series they just redid. I think what Brian K. Wood was it not Vaughn, but Wood. I think Brian Wood led a uh, Robotech reboot that took the story and then all of a sudden halfway through just kind of uh, tweaked it and it told a totally new story. And it worked. It really worked. And I was excited about that to go back to the universe, go back to the comics, but kind of get a new story. So, um, and I was like, Trey, I didn't get the VHS tapes. I they early 2000s, they started to re-release the DVDs uh, and I would go to Best Buy with my friends. Probably one of the reasons I have a lot of debt in my life is I would just go to Best Buy every Tuesday for new release day and get $100 in CDs and DVDs and all the kind of things. And, you know, eventually I ran out of money but kept spending it. So there you go. That's my early 2000s. That's why I'm in the hole I'm in now in life, right? It was Robotech DVDs. But it was so great to go back and relive it because that was kind of new. Nostalgia for that era was still, I would call it kind of new. I think Phantom Menace was part of that kind of like, hey, remember that thing you used to love? We're going to try it again. Whether you like it or not, or whether it's good or not, or whether you're going to grow to appreciate this later, we're going to try it again. And the people who grew up in the 80s are starting to, you know, I'm in Hollywood now. I wasn't a power player, but people who grew up in the 80s are starting to tell the stories now. So let's just go straight back and draw on what came behind, uh, before us. And then the, the, the re-release of the Robotech DVDs or the Robotech stories, I just, uh, I collected them all. I still have most of them. They're still out there in my living room right now. But then something like, like, uh, Netflix or something like that, uh, which Robotech was on for a long time. I don't think it's on there anymore. Uh, Chris Kiefer in chat saying, hell yeah, Best Buy lining up on Tuesday mornings. Yeah, uh, me and my uh, friend Joel, depending on the jobs we worked during the time or if he was in school or not, it was like, uh, and my friend Brian too for a while when he, my old roommate, we like five o'clock, he'd come home from work and we'd maybe cook some carne asada on the, uh, on the grill, straight eat it straight from the grill. And they'd be like, all right, you want to go to Best Buy? And it was like, yeah, that was Tuesdays, like 6 p.m. at Best Buy. Come back. Like, I got this. I got that. $150. Swipe that card. I didn't care. Oh, the arrogance of youth. Great question, Trey. Taking me down uh, the Robotech path. Now, as far as writing a book, uh, Why We Love uh, Robotech, I, yeah, I don't think I have enough. I'd have to really, really dive back in. Uh, but it could be there. There's big themes and moments in the show that, that, that sets you up for loving things later on, like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, any kind of serialized programming, which existed before, but it just hadn't on this level for kids. I mean, again, like 11 episodes in or so, one of the main characters dies, or who you think is one of the main characters. So I shouldn't have been shocked when Ned Stark went in Game of Thrones a little bit later on. Great stuff. Hey, uh, Chris Kiefer, who's also live in chat, says, uh, Ken, with two exclamation points, is there a local band or musician you loved... That uh, you missed out on making it big, or that missed out on making it big. Maybe someone you saw perform a bunch, had one song, get a little bit of airplay, but you still love them just the same. Yeah, going back to my radio days, it's funny, when I was looking at the question earlier, I misread that, Chris. I misread that. Is there any local bands that I saw but uh, or, or missed out on, could have gotten into earlier, and then they got big? I don't know. My mind apparently wanted to answer a question you didn't ask. Uh, just because I used to love, on that note, there the Hotel Cafe, which is... Uh, what on Kawanga in Hollywood, I'd never been to. But back in the day, there was some artists going, Rachel Yamagata was there, had like a residency for a while, and I wanted to go watch them perform. And I'd always be like, I want to go down to Hotel Cafe. And I didn't because I'd get scared. And I, I had, a, I had a, a trouble with social life stuff back then in the, in the mid-2000s. It just a lot of social anxiety. Didn't have a lot of friends that were like, yeah, let's go into Hollywood and see a show. Now, now I could. I wasn't as just comfortable and confident in myself, I guess. So I didn't go. I never went. I never went. 
And then you go back now and you look at all a long list of artists that are big now or became big or had some big moments. And like, they were all there and they all had shows and they all just hung out. And I was like, God, you know, uh, uh, Largo was like the two, but I would go to Largo. I see some shows there. And a lot of my friends would do comedy there. Um, and, and a lot of the shows, the, the music shows that were re- Big Runga, I saw there uh, uh, with a, was it David Bazan and Pedro the Lion. And then uh, Jude used to have a regular, he lo- I loved uh, Jude, though I heard some stuff about him that, you know, he wasn't the nicest guy or whatever. And so I kind of, you know, hurt my love of his, his music, but he had some great stuff, especially in mid-2000. So that, you didn't ask that question, Chris, but that's where my mind went. You know, like, I'm a big fan of the band Haim. I am a big fan of the band Dawes, and they're both like San Fernando Valley based. And I'm like, was were the were the sisters of Heim just walking around the Northridge Mall when I didn't know it? I could have been like, hey, there's eventually one of my favorite rock bands of all time. I don't know. I don't know. Alice asks, uh, is that related to Hotel California? No, no. Um, Hotel Cafe. As far as, okay, but to, to Chris's actual question, love talking music here, love talking music here, my old rock radio ways, and also advertisement again for the Patreon page, KZOG Radio, the monthly Patreon playlist, the Spotify playlist uh, that I uh, curate and then do kind of a, a private radio show for you all, not for public consumption, just released this month, all live uh, shows, all live uh, songs, and it was a lot of fun to put together. So I'll go back to that era. I think there's some other bands along the way, but when you, you know, the radio station I worked at, K-Bear 95, as opposed to uh, um, Hall of Fame Music Radio now, out there in Pennsylvania, do that shift on Saturday mornings. You guys can listen on the TuneIn Radio app. You would, there's the big stuff. You know, this is mid-90s rock, so, you know, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots and whatnot. But there, you, you'd get a lot of stuff, a lot of CD singles coming through, a lot of A&R guys showing up saying, hey, play this band. So I've said before, I'm a big Semisonic fan, Dan Wilson uh, and crew, and uh, Closing Times, what they're known for. But their first album, The Great Divide, is all their music is just great. And Don't Stop at Closing Time, which itself is a great song. But The Great Divide came out, and their A&R guy, we, were, we loved it. My program director and I at the time, John Mackey, just, we loved that band. It was very Abbey Road era Beatles sound. It was great songwriting, great hooks, great rock radio stuff. Something a little more intelligent for the midnight and, and I'm an Oasis fan, but they're like, let's have some lager and go get in a fight. As they used to always say, Oasis is music for Saturday night. Uh, Pulp is music for Sunday morning. Semisonic was a smart rock band. And, and uh, that doesn't always play. Trust me. I was considered and Chris will back it, back it up. I was considered one of the comics comics, which is why I did not have a career in comedy for, <laughs> for standup. But so you'd see a lot of bands like that come through who you're like, this song is great. And you'd play it, and you'd play it, and you'd hope it would uh, hit big. And there's a lot of bands I just can't even remember. I just can't even remember. But you'd want them to get big. And and sometimes it happens. Kings of Leon was a band that, you know, U2, Bono kind of, I like it, let's have them open for us. And they, they blew up shortly after that, even though they did a, a stylistic change for that first big album, the, the Sex on Fire album, that was, uh, I'd say, at times, drastically different than what they put out before. And, and that, But that's a band that continues to grow. Kings of Leon, we'll discuss another time. But there's two bands that, that uh, come to mind. I did talk about one band before. I've talked about it. I played them on the Kids Like Radio playlist. It's the um, uh, Hazies. Skin and Bones was their big single. Uh, and we had them play at our, our company Christmas party. 
And I just, I just thought, especially for the mid nineties, they should have just been something bigger and they had some great songs and they had great songwriting uh, stuff going on there. So, um, yeah, I, I would have thought that, uh, the hazies. And then there was a band called, uh, the surfing brides and they were out of UK. They're out of, out of the UK and they had a big single, and I say big, just we got a lot of airplay during that time, but the 96, about 1996 range, it was called Everything's Fine. And it's a great song for now because it's a song that's kind of like, what would you do if the world was going to end? Um, would you want to get dirty? Would you want to take a bath? Would you want to go to bed with your best friend in it? It's a great little song. Uh, it is a, it's a rock song, but it's got some spoken word stuff in it. Great hook. Everything's fine. It is wonderful. Surfing Brides. They're hard to track down. You can find some stuff on YouTube. And they had a great album, man. Train of Shame and uh, Helltown, all the stuff. And they had this drummer. You know, not going to lie. Mid-90s rock DJ Ken had some adult feelings for the drummer. Her name was Amy Walden. And she was uh, an American who went over there and, and, and formed, uh, you know, got pulled into the band. And she was a great drummer backy vocals and whatnot. And uh, I, I did want, I was looking up the band. I just was trying to find the band because a lot of times those bands in the mid-90s keep going or they come back. Even Spin Doctors releasing new stuff, you know? And Amy Walden uh, is still in music, still does some stuff, but she like lives in Texas somewhere and she has like a, a hair salon or she's part of a hair salon. And I went to, I clicked on this website. I was like, this can't be the same Amy Walden that was a drummer in Surfing Brides. Not that you can't have other jobs or careers, but it's just like, that just seems so weird and obtuse and he's out there. And it's her. It's her. So there you go. You can look it up. Go get your hair cut by a great underrated rock drummer. But I, I really thought the Surfing Brides were a great band in the vein. A little bit of Space Hog in, a mean, in the meantime, that kind of vibe. Imperial Drag, uh, that, that, that kind of arrow. I really thought they should have been bigger and better. And that's just the story of rock and roll, man. That's, that's how it goes. So, yeah, Lauren Romo in chat says, 90s music was the best. Rap, alt-rock, R&B, pop, and had it all. It really did. Mid-90s is my range, but really uh, from there to the end of, of the decade. Good stuff. Uh, I can't wait. We're getting to the point where we, we really deserve just some really, really in-depth documentaries about a lot of time. And there's a lot of it. Oh, If you're an Oasis fan, definitely check out Supersonic. I so I so I watched I watched uh, Supersonic the Oasis documentary, which basically follows their career up to Nebworth. Uh, I I went to ArcLight Hollywood and I ordered two gin and tonics, just like their song orders you to give me gin and tonic, and watched it. It was a great experience as an Oasis fan. So, uh, all right, that's uh, uh, I could talk about music. I I've always thought about doing uh, some kind of Napsack Files music discussion, or maybe doing it on YouTube. There's some good videos out there, but. Uh, you know, you can't play the music. Sometimes I want to refer to the music. So it's something. But that's why we do the KZOC Radio playlist, so I can have that conversation on the Patreon page as well. So thank you, Chris, for that question. I went all over the map with that one there, didn't I? Uh, the old Handsaw, who is also in chat, I believe, unless he's falling asleep, and he's having his driveway redone right now. So who knows? Maybe old Handsaw's uh, outside yelling at some contractors or helping lay some concrete down. Old Hansel writes, how many snowmen have you built in your lifetime? I do believe the answer is two. I do believe the answer is two. Uh, haven't done it in a while. And, you know, I live out here in California. Been out here my whole life. Orange County, born, kind of bred, raised on uh, the central coast of California, Arroyo Grande, California, San Luis Obispo, Pismo Beach, California's rock and roll bear, excuse me. 
Not a lot of snow up there. Gets cold. Gets foggy. Gets in the 20 degree range sometimes, but no snow. Unless something really goes wrong. But as a kid, we'd go uh, travel down where my great great aunt and uncle lived. My great aunt is still alive. Um, we'd go up to um, near Big Bear between La- uh, Lake, Arrowhead, uh, Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear is a place called Green Valley Lake. Kind of uh, above, you have to pass through running springs and you turn up and you go up there. They had a cabin up there. They moved up there. They lived up there. So a lot of snow. Um, and every Thanksgiving we go up there. I miss that, of course. This is one of those memories as a kid. You look back and just you have warm, fuzzy feelings just when you when you get there. But we'd go walk in the snow. Little Kenny from the coast used to go get some snow. And I wanted, and it's so funny you asked this question, old Hansa. I want, I was like actively like, I need to build a snowman. Seems like something I should do. And my dad's an engineer type. My dad's great just kind of constructing things with his hands. He's, he's a, a 2D animator guy. He's a nose cat and all this kind of stuff. He's just strong Russian hands, you know. So it was like, it, uh, my dad would build my soapbox racers and I'd win, a. it was kind of a ringer. I'd win a lot of awards as a kid for soapbox racing. And they'd be like, Kenny, did you build this? I'm like, yes, I, I built the kind of working radio, uh, FM radio console in my uh in my soapbox racer. Did your, did your dad help? No. I'm just really good at this. I'm eight. So um, I we would try to do this every every year. It was like, let's do this. Let's do this. And and, and chat, old hands on saying more of a, a sandcastle guy. I, I would I, I didn't I grew up near the beach, but like Anakin Skywalker, not a giant fan of uh, fan of sand. So I didn't go to the ocean a lot. Uh, we did, we we would clam back when you still could uh, before it became illegal because families like us would clam. Uh, and I love going, I love walking now on the beach, but as a kid, it just, it wasn't a fan of, of the beach because it was like, you go to the beach, you know, you're cold, but also you're hot and sweaty. The sand sticking to you, it really does get everywhere. Anakin, everyone makes fun of Anakin Skywalker, but it's true. And we all know it's true. And then you go home and it's just like, it's like I couldn't wait to get home and just wash the sand off and also just it felt like I was washing the day off so why did we go but snow I love and probably because I didn't I didn't grow I wasn't like in Minnesota you know you talk to Joseph Scrimshaw his view of uh, snow having grown up in uh, mostly Minnesota you know he's got different opinion on snow than I do probably same for any part of the other country but he used to love going up there and yes so I tried to build two there's one that's a photo my mom and dad have a photo of it it was the best one we had. But I, I got to tell you, tragically, sadly, old Hansa uh, and anyone listening and concerned about my snowman building skills, never quite, never quite got it done. It was a lumpy. I could get the eyes, but there was also weird asphalt stains in the snow from where I was digging in. This one, I remember this one. I was like, I couldn't, like I was digging, couldn't dig deep enough. I was finding road. It was just a problem. Just a problem. So I never built one to my liking. So maybe that is a list of, uh, on that bucket list thing. Maybe it's not quite a bucket list, but it's a retribution list. I need to go back and I need to build a snowman in the right proper way. All right. Great stuff. See old Hansa. This is why I love doing the show. I never would have never, never would have wanted to answer that or, or would never would have thought that I would have answered a snowman question with the depth, conviction and passion. But there it is. Uh, James Polkinghorn follows up and says, follow-up question, do you want to build a snowman? I mean, and I do. James has another question. says, hey, Ken, if given the opportunity, would you ever live abroad? If so, what country? All right. Uh, Hot-button issue, right? 
Let's get on out of here. Let's flee. Now, I, I love uh, I love this country and I love this state. And more specifically, I love this city. I love Los Angeles. I actually really do. That's probably why I wear this hat. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm a New York Yankee fan. This is a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball cap. Um, but because it's not the Dodger blue, I feel it just kind of represents this city that I love. Uh, and I really do love living here. been here 22, coming on 23 years now. I think we passed it. I think I keep saying 22. I think we're at the 23, August 1998 to August 2020. Is that, is that technically 23 or is it 22 years? So um, there's, uh, there's uh, uh, that. Angle. I just love here. But the, the idea of, I do like the idea of travel. I've never been outside the country. I was getting ready to. I was getting my passport. Finally. I just never did. I, you know, I'm too busy spending money going to Best Buy buying Robotech DVDs to travel. But I love going around this country. I've had the chance going around with Mark Ellis doing comedy shows. has just been amazing. And let me see a lot of places in the country I just hadn't seen before. And I've said before, my, my parents were uh, lower middle class and, and made do with what we had. And my sister and I never felt like we were missing out on anything. And that's a credit to my, my parents. Um, but I know later on, I talk, my my uncle who since passed away would say, no, 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 they, they you know, they, they had some struggles and 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 they just didn't let you know. And I think I think it's a good, it's a good uh, a mark of good parenting. Uh, so, but we just didn't didn't travel. We'd go to Yosemite, we'd go to Green Valley Lake. And that was about it. Uh, we got lost and Fre- stuck in Fresno for two days on the way to Yosemite one time. I remember that more than any other trip in my my childhood. So I still would like to do some some traveling outside the country. I think that'd be great. As far as uh, living, you know, if work takes you somewhere, work takes you somewhere. But I, you know, I got to say, uh, you know, having a having a, a a pint in a pub in London, and I've known some friends who've gone over and lived in London. I could get behind that. I've never been there. You know, I could watch. I could finally watch my British gardening shows with not having to like track them down on like YouTube links that are fuzzy and digitized or Netflix only showing the second season of I Love Your Garden. Like I, I could probably even go meet Monty Don in person. Like I, that'd be something I'd be interested in. Uh, so is that, I, I, you know, Australia is always interesting, but you know, as a Lord of the Rings fan, who doesn't want to go, you know, live in Hobbiton over in New Zealand? Uh, that's something there. But I feel those are sometimes the popular answers, right? Uh, where, London, uh, just Australia where, I don't know. Wherever Natalie Brulier recorded her songs, that's fine for me. Um, New Zealand, can I go to the set of the movie I love? Yeah, I just figure those are, those are, you know, pat answers. But they're mine. They're generic. I'm, uh, it's it's basic bitch Wednesday for me over here at Knapsack Files. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Uh, I'm a Beatles fan, despite what uh, Twitter will have you uh, wanting to believe. I think they're a great band, and uh, would love to go, uh, you know, go go see the homeland as a Beatles fan, so to speak. So we'll see. Um, uh, but I'd love to visit. See, that's the thing too is I don't unless I have to for work. I think I'm here. I'm here in Los Angeles to the bitter end. But I do want to do more traveling, do more work. That's why stand up comedy, you know, traveling around with Ellis has been just a godsend because it's work. But it's the easiest work around, and you get to go experience the city that you're in if you have enough time, if you have a day, and and we always find the time, and it's been great. And I just, I'm the type, um, I'm just the type, man, where like, you know, when we hit when we hit Seattle, it's like I'm up early the next morning. I don't, you know, and Ellis is, uh, you know, I'm not spilling too many secrets or tea here. Just Ellis is like, I'm gonna do my thing, you do your thing. We'll meet after coffee, and then, you know, I'll walk around the city by myself, and. 
and figure it out. And, and then we meet up and go see a landmark or something like that. He showed us around D.C., uh, me and uh, Christian Ruvacaba. That was great. But we did that. Uh, New York is a city I just love wandering around. And, yeah, you want to be careful. You don't want to wander down the wrong streets if you don't know the local uh, area too well. And uh, it's sometimes a, a realistic uh, concern in some places. But I just love that. I think that's how you – I'm not on vacation. I'm just there, and I'm soaking it in, and I love that. That's some of my uh, – Favorite things. Uh, Japan, I've seen uh, Django's Got a Mango and Chris Kiefer bro- both bringing up Japan. Italy, Hillbilly Scribs, Ranger Donald saying India, Lauren Romo's backing me up saying London is a bucket list destination. All those are great. Uh, Japan is interesting. I, I I know a lot of people who go there. Uh, my friends, uh, Matt and Brittany, uh, just love Japan. They go there when they can. It's It's always got some, it's always got some appeal to me. But I'm always I'm slightly intimidated by the, what I see. It's just, it, it, especially if, you, if you're just looking at Tokyo, it's just so busy and so da, 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 and there's robots uh, running up to you and uh, you know giving you candy. I don't know what's going on. You know, it, it seems like too much for me. But I, that that me, means now more than I think ten years ago because I hadn't traveled as much yet. I would have been like ah, I don't know, like New York. The thought of going to New York, even though I love the Yankees, I was like I don't know. I'm so scared. Then when I get there, it's like you're on the ground and you feel it. I think I yeah definitely Japan. And then going out and seeing some of the the sites and just seeing some of the the, the land, the landscape, and, and and the beauty in Japan and the countryside. Uh, you know, again, I don't know the layout too well, but but uh, yeah, I would love to experience that as well. So uh, let's let's all just travel. Let's all just get a bus and then a plane and a boat and travel. We can do it. The Knapsack Files uh, tour around the world. Let's do it. Great question, James. And I know James is out there in. Uh, is it Australia or New Zealand? Oh, God. I, I'm going to mess up and he's going to hate me. I think it's Australia. Oh, God. Alice is in chat and she's asking this question. Do you push Ratsy in her stroller or does Grace do it? Uh, yes. So we have a stroller. We have an older uh, dog, Ratsy, Adelaide, 16-year-old Chihuahua. So, yeah, she can't walk as well. She can't walk as well. So I, a couple of years ago, bought a stroller. And, you know, some people, I see their faces when they we walk into the coffee shop and they see the stroller and they go, oh, you're oh, it's a dog. And they judge us. I, ju- I They do. And that's shame on them. The dog enjoys going out. She gets really excited when you pull the stroller out. She's like, yeah, I get to go for a chariot ride. So nuts to them. Uh, Grace generally pushes it, not for any reason. I'm the one, Baxter's a little rambunctious. And so uh, now that Grace, Grace could actually probably control Baxter better. But I just kind of, I got, I got, I got Baxter because I got to be able to yank him back when he gets into fights with dogs and the fence and all that kind of stuff. And, um, Grace uh, has, you know, has her cell phone, a coffee, and everything, and she likes to take advantage of the of the stroller with everything in front of her. So that's that's the reason. There's no, you know, uh, specific uh, reason we divide up the chores like that. We'll occasionally switch it up, and uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy pushing Ratsy around. She goes because she, what she'll do, she'll stand, and she used to have a little trouble standing even now, but she'll she'll lean her head up against the front of the stroller and look down, and I'm just like, I think she thinks she's flying, and it's great. So it's a lot of fun. So thank you, Alice. I know you're always uh, checking in. On the Chihuahuas. A couple questions left here, then we'll go live in chat. Don Long uh, writes, uh, have you ever had a name ruined for you by a bad experience or person? Obviously, my uh, name Donald growing up was mocked with Donald Duck and Ronald McDonald. And nowadays, it just took on a whole new level of terrible. I get it. I get it. Um, Look, I'm Ken. And the amount of Barbie and Ken jokes I've heard not as much anymore, but grown up was a thing. And then I made one one time. There was my insurance agent for a while was named Barbie. And so 
uh, I went to, you know, sign up for the car, whatever I had to do, renew. And I was in the office, which is, you know, even for back then, this was like 20, yeah, about 15 years ago, it was a little rare. And I was in the office and she was taking pictures of my car, doing the thing. And I, and I oh, your name's Barbie. And I'm like, well, I'm Ken. You know what I mean? I, and she just was like, mm. she's so she's probably tired of hearing it. I also think she thought I was hitting on her. I was not. I was just like, oh, that's kind of funny. It's very rare that a Barbie and Ken would interact in life, right? You know what I'm saying? And I think she took it as like, all right, you smooth genitalia doll, not you today. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, as far as names ruined, I, yeah, you know, it comes and goes. Comes and goes, uh, depending on who hurts you in life, right? <laughs> there's some names that I don't say anymore. Some names I'm like, yeah, um, but then you grow past it. Uh, bosses, uh, you know, there's some bosses in the past where you're just like, oh, I'll never see that. So I don't have a specific example, Donald, but being named Donald in 2020, I understand. I understand. Maybe we'll, we'll go about your, your, your name, Ranger Donald, your, your chat name. That makes some sense too. Uh, Pete Rich says, at least you don't have an online bully calling you Peach all the time. Look, Peach, you're going to sit down and you're going to take it and you're going to like it. Uh, old Hansaw, whose real name is Sean, I think people forget that. His uh, the whole 1970s Sean Cassidy craze sucked. Yeah, I bet it would. Great stuff, Ranger Donald. Final prepared question of the day. Jason Humphreys, who is over in the UK? The Hump, are there any films you like to revisit every so often? Maybe there's one that never fails to cheer you up. You can't include the S Star Wars, the Young Gun series. Damn it. Damn it. Um, look, um... Movies that make me feel good. For a long time, I mean, Pretty Woman is the reason I love that movie. It just makes me feel good. It's celebrating love. It's cheesy. It's a fairy tale. It's a hooker with a heart of gold. I don't care. I love Pretty Woman. It makes me happy. All right? So be it. When Harry Met Sally makes me happy. It's why I love that movie. That's why I love those old-style rom-coms. I stand by them. All right? I'm not, why am I apologizing? Why do I feel the need to apologize to you all? I don't. I love those movies. But as far as movies that can, I'll kind of go to a lot... Uh, even now, it's like Gross Point Blank, uh, About a Boy. High Fidelity, for sure, but that's also the book. But um, And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, if I just want to just turn up, I just enjoy something and get a little bit of a Christmas spirit in a Shane Black way, I'll do that. But About a Boy is, in a, is a movie that, um, About a Boy is a movie that just kind of, for me, you know, it is kind of that male malaise, but just, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it totally... Um, it just makes me, it inspires me in a way. It, it makes me feel good, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I like that as well. Um, all right, we got uh, what are you, Django saying, could you please refresh the questions page to get my last second submission? Oh, on Patreon? All right. All right. I'll do that. I'll do that for you, Django, because you have a mango. All right. Um, Django's got a mango rights. Going back to baseball, if you raised all other biases, what Major League Baseball team would you pick to root for pure, based purely on their uniforms, logos, and such. Uh, he would pick the old Diamondbacks. Um, Kansas, I've always liked uh, Kansas City Royals. I uh, like, uh, and it's kind of the Dodgers, old Dodgers thing. I've liked that. I was, I've always been kind of a Royals fan. Um, one of my other favorite teams. I was a big Expos fan. I t the Nationals, uh, just in terms of uniform and everything, their uniforms are okay. They're okay. The Padres, I'm I'm on board for the new Padre uniforms, but I'm not on board. But they're still cool and they're still unique, uh, so we'll go with that. Uh, Mariners, I was also a Mariner fan for a long time, and that in that late '90s, early uh, excuse me, late '80s, early '90s uniform, I was kind of like that. 
as well. But Royals, I was, I was a uh, not, and not when they do the blue tops, but over like the classic kind of home white home and that that kind of light blue uh, gray on the road. I always like those uniforms. Good classic baseball uniforms. Uh, Django says Royals are good. Uh, he likes the Rockies. Rockies are good uniforms, especially when they started, and they generally have kept to that. Lauren Romo says Detroit have the best uniform and logo. Fight me. Well, I'll fight you. The Yankee pinstripes and that Yankee NY, that's classic. That's what people associate with baseball. There, end of story. But the Tigers got good home uniforms. The road uniforms for the Tigers, never been a fan of. I don't like them. I don't like the road uniforms. Kind of drab and plain for me. All right, there you go. Uh, Will McClain says the old Diamondback colors were great. I like the new Diamondback colors. In fact, on MLB The Show, I managed the Diamondbacks until they fired me. Uh, I loved, I'd loved. I'd take the 2007 uniforms and mix them with the 2020 hats and pant combination. I like doing that a lot. Now on MLB The Show, if you want to talk baseball video games, I am uh, managing the Angels. I'm not a huge Angels fan, but it was like the best offer I got. And I am taking the 2020 Angel uniforms, but mixing them with the 1975 hat and the 1961 pant. It's a good combination. Try it, my friends. Try it. All right. Uh, that's some of the prepared questions there. If anyone's got any live uh, questions there on the YouTube chat, I'll take them here right now. There's some times where we uh, have some folks call in. We're not going to have time to do that today because after this, i got to record the TNF boardroom. And at some point today, i got to eat because I also recorded about four and a half hours of Force Center today. I'm not complaining. It's a great gig. But uh, daddy's hungry. So uh, there we go. And Lauren Roma says, fair. I like the orange and gray look. I just... Especially in the late 80s, early 90s, I just did the road uniforms of the Tigers didn't match the glory and grandeur of the home, home uniforms. And I will agree, those home uniforms of the Tigers and that logo are classic baseball. For better or worse, they go to Ty Cobb, but they, go, they go to Hank Greenberg, they go to Mickey Lolich, they, they, they go to Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker. It's the road uniforms never matched it for me. Bill Freehand, doesn't matter. All there, all there. Al Kaline, I like that there. So, um, the hat, the hat is slightly different on the road than, than home. Yeah, I like that there too. So, but I love baseball uniforms. I love, I love baseball uniforms. I love bad ones. I love good ones. I love studying them. I love seeing what makes a good baseball uniform. I used to have fun as a kid. I designed for like weird expansion teams. Like I created a team called the Phoenix Sunrays. This is before the Diamondbacks launched. I created a team called the Miami Waves. So original, I know. Before the uh, uh, Marlins came about, and I'd, I'd sit there in my little junior high room designing uniforms for these teams. Uh, which is also why I didn't have a lot of friends or talk to girls like I wanted to. So there you go. So, uh, yeah, we'll take some live questions here in uh, YouTube land. I'll remind you all again, if you're watching or listening, on, uh, October, I almost said November, October 10th, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, live, Riley's Cantina from El Cid on Sunset Strip. But you get to watch at home. If you get tickets at TicketWeb.com or just go to KenNapsack.com, click on the link. we got general admission tickets, but also VIP tickets. We'll get you exclusive merch and, and, a live VIP uh, chat Q&A session after. Check my YouTube page also for the promo that uh, Riley and I spent hours making. Uh, so there you go. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for chat to catch up here. Let me catch up. Um, what we talk, You guys are talking about, uh, um, oh my gosh, that, that chat, my YouTube chat's way off. 
I just want to ask answer questions from like the beginning. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll stall there for a little bit there. As always, I want to thank my high tier Patreon supporters, uh, and I want to thank everyone who supports me on Patreon now more than ever. It's tough times. A lot of you out there struggling, and no joke, uh, you know us in the podcast world struggling too. But I appreciate your support. It makes a lot of things happen. Some cool announcements on the way of other things I'll be working on. But this is always going to be where my passions lie. Uh, and I want to thank my executive producer supporters, which include Thomas Rizzling, Lethal Logan X, Matt Thompson, Nathan Ovendale, Ty Schallenberger, Chad Benningfield, Tommy Terry Green, Jonas Bergen, Old Handsaw, uh, Zach Taylor, Ranger Donald. We like that name, Donald, here for him. And Fair Smith Anna. Thank you all for your support. And anyone who supports me at any level. Um, yeah, Chad is being weird. Chad is being weird tonight, Old Handsaw. Um, yeah, it's being super delayed. Like, yeah, it's like just now catching up on my stream manager. Uh, which that's just, uh, that's weird. That's weird. So we'll catch up. We'll see what's going on. Um, if, if that is what it is, that is what it is. Uh, Chris Kiefer writes, are there any Lucha wrestlers you like based on their look? I'm not super, super versed in the history of the Lucha wrestlers, uh, uh, you know, some of the all-time legends, uh, the, the Mil Mascaris and all that kind of stuff I, I do know and, and love. I do have some friends uh, Freddie Esparza, he writes actually a lot of stuff about lucha wrestling. And my friend uh, Vandal Drummond, aka Kurt Brown, uh, Vandal Drummond, Doctor Vandal Drummond's his uh, work name. In fact, Chris, you probably saw both of them uh, around MPW, and, and and Vandal Drummond would wrestle in MPW when you go to some of those shows in Simi Valley. They are historians about um, a lot of the lucha wrestling, and so I I couldn't even begin to justify. I just like watching it. It's it's a diff- different, unique style. Um, but yeah. So they go, Chad is broken. Yeah, Chad's broken. Uh, Ranger Donald says, I'm at the beginning and I can't go anymore. Might be a YouTube thing today. That's fine. That's fine. That's the way it's going to be. So uh, we will uh, bring to a close this episode of TNF In Session. This was made possible by your questions, and I love it again. Check the live show November. Why did I do it again? It's because I feel the way time works during this pandemic. I feel it's already 2023. October 10th. Live comedy, Star Wars uh, Variety Hour. Going to be a lot of fun. Special guests, including Nathan Hamill, Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, the Wangers, um, and more. uh, And more. Uh, We are definitely not limited to that. Uh, So there you go. Check it on out there. And you can follow me at Cadnapsuck. Follow M Drive Media, Box Score Heroes, all the things I got going on. You are all the best. We'll see you next time on TNF in session.